Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Well, welcome to June. I cannot believe we are in summer. We're so glad that you're here with us today, here in the room and online, making space for God to move. You know, that's what it is when we show up to church, especially when we show up when we don't feel like it, Uh, especially when we show up when we're excited, especially when we show up when we're going through something challenging. It is telling God, I'm here. I have open arms to receive. Do what you want to do. And today, as we kick off a new series called Parables, I am so excited and honored to be able to kick off this series with you. I'm Pastor Amanda. I serve as one of the associate pastors on team. I'm married to the loud Dominican one. I mean, there's another loud Dominican one. Uh, there's two of them. There's two pastors that that applies to. I love the, I was gonna say, I'm married to the one who loves cookies less, but I, that could be a tie too. I'm married to Pastor Justin. We have been a part of City of Life since we were children. We met in City Kids right over in that building over there. And truly, our life has been planted here. That's the story of my life, is I've been planted in the house of God through every season. And we get to look at parables today. And that's kind of a strange word. We don't really use that word very much other than in the Bible, when we talk about Jesus teaching through parables. And so every week in June, we're gonna look at a different parable of Jesus because it doesn't just apply to the people Jesus spoke it to thousands of years ago. It is an invitation for each and every one of us to step into every time we read it. And so the definition of parable is a short story, usually fictitious, and the purpose is to serve instructing in moral law or in faith in the kingdom of God. So it's a short story to teach us a lesson, to show us a greater way of living. And today we're starting this series with the parable of the sower. You can read about the parable of the sower in three of the different gospels. Today we're gonna be reading from Luke. So if you have your Bible digitally or physically, You can open that up to Luke chapter eight. We're gonna read about the parable of the sower. And in Luke chapter eight, we're gonna start with verses four through eight. And it says, one day Jesus told a story, or as we just learned, one day Jesus told a parable. He told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. And here's what Jesus said. He said, a farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he said this, Jesus called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Does anyone have ears to hear today? Do you wanna hear from the Lord? Amen. Let's pray together. 
Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. Plant the seed in our hearts today, God. Cultivate our hearts so that we can be good soil, so that we can receive your word, so that it can grow deep roots, so that it can transform our lives and bring a great harvest. We honor you today, Jesus. We thank you for the privilege of coming together publicly to worship, to hear your word. We honor you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of Jesus' parables are very outdoorsy. Talks about farms, animals, vineyards. Um, And I'm just going to be really real with you. I'm more of an indoorsy girl. I like to read the books about it. In my older age, I don't know if it's wisdom, maturity, or just being a little bit more okay with getting dirty. I've grown to like outdoors a little bit more. But I've always been an indoorsy girl. And maybe it's because in my younger years, I was like such a tomboy. I would like roll my ankle or fall out of trees and things of that nature. And that I learned maybe it's just safer to be indoors. And so when I read these parables like this, I always wonder, am I missing something? Because I don't speak the language of a farm. I don't speak the language of a vineyard dresser. There are certain things that Jesus' audience automatically knew without him having to explain because they lived it every single day. They had to go out into their field and till the ground to plant the seeds, to create the food so that they could eat, so that they could live. This was an average daily part of their life. And so there's so much context that Jesus' audience knew that we might not be so automatically in tune with that we might not be so automatically familiar with. And so this is one of the benefits, blessings, and I think even necessities of community like this, is that we get to study the Bible together and we get to learn from different experiences. You know, in this room, there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are veterinarians, there are teachers, uh, there are people who work with their hands with mechanics, Um, There are people who work in finance. There's all different perspectives. And when we read these stories of Jesus and he refers to a type of field or a type of expertise, we all have our different perspective on it and we can grow and learn from hearing one another's different areas of expertise. And so I'm so grateful for the church as the family of God that we get to study together and grow together. And so today we're going to the farm. Y'all ready now? All right. I think I say y'all a lot. I'm a native Floridian. I've lived in Florida my whole life. But I think it's because I was mentored from the the Alabamans uh, that y'all just come so naturally. But there's something about Jesus's parables that we really need to be clear on. Jesus was not just a master storyteller for simple farmers. Jesus was a brilliant theologian. Theology means the study of God, and a theologian is particularly an expert in the study of God. I don't know who else would be more appropriate to give that title to than Jesus himself. He was an expert on the ways of God. He is an expert on the ways of God, and he invited us into his expertise through story and through parables, something so simple that even a young child could enter in and understand I'm so grateful that Jesus spoke in this way. And in the United States, in American culture, we often emphasize concepts 
over story. You know, that's that pragmatism Pastor Gary was talking about. I want to know the checklist, the to-do list. How do I get my means to an end? How do I finish the work that I need to do? How do I get the result that I want to get? And so we might hear teachings and instructions and focus on the concepts. What are the practical things I actually need to do? And we can often overlook the value of story. Maybe because it seems childish. Maybe because it's more relational, and so it has less direct measurable result. Uh, Maybe it's because it seems frivolous. It seems slow. And so let me overlook that and just dive into the concepts. But even today, every book, every strategy by marketers is focused on story. They tell people, hey, you want to sell your product? Don't talk about your product. Tell a story of how your product fixed someone's life. Have you ever seen a Publix commercial? They're not saying, hey, we have the best food ever. Shopping here is a pleasure. They paint a story of this happy family kicking a soccer ball in the backyard or actually making the turkey together instead of bumping into each other in the kitchen like my family does. And at the end, you're crying and you're like, I want that Thanksgiving. Like, I guess I need to go to Publix. That's, that's the secret. Hashtag not sponsor, but you can. Publix can always sponsor me. And so we have to almost lower maybe some of our natural defense mechanisms about stories when we engage in the parables of Jesus. Because people don't always remember concepts, but they do remember stories especially when the storyteller is really dynamic, like I have to imagine Jesus was. Another thing that is important for us to understand about these parables is that there is context to them. Where Jesus was when he says in the Gospels, if you pray to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, matters. Because when you're standing in that spot and you look and you go, oh, there's only one mountain, Jesus was talking about this. So the location, the context, the culture, the the time in history, Jesus said all of these parables with that context in mind, and that's something we have to consider. I don't know if there's anyone here who has ever studied classical music. I had several friends in college um, that that was their profession. They're now prolific singers. It's crazy. But they had to take like eight music classes a semester. It was wild. They confirmed. I was like, oh, I will never be a music major. That's crazy. But they can hear a classical piece of music, and they can immediately tell, is it Bach or is it Beethoven? Is it Mozart or is it Tchaikovsky? I probably said that. I had to say it slow. They can tell the difference in the composer based on the nuances of the music because they really understand music. They can hear parts of the symphony. They can hear instruments that I would never be able to pick out as an untrained ear. They go, oh, listen to the piccolo. And I'm like, what? (laughs) No pickles, thank you. They have an expertise that makes their listening experience much more dynamic than my listening experience. In the same way, anyone can read a parable and be blessed by it, and I'm so grateful for that. However, if we as believers can educate ourselves with the principles of the kingdom of God 
and understanding some about Middle Eastern culture and the time in which Jesus was alive, it makes it much more dynamic for us to engage with these parables. And so we're going to look at some of that today. In our text, Jesus explains the parable as we read, and then he finishes it with saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear and understand. And then Jesus goes on, he shares a couple more parables, and then later he goes off with his disciples, and his disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we don't understand. Like, hey, you said if we get it, we should get it, but we don't get it, so can you let us know? I love that they're honest. I would always rather be like, hey, Jesus, can we go for round two than being like, yeah, got it. Uh, And it doesn't do anything to change my life. And very rarely does Jesus actually give an interpretation or an additional explanation behind a parable. He just teaches the parable, and that's all we have. But in this case, Jesus breaks down the parable for his disciples, and we get the blessing and the benefit of that. So today we're going to dive into the rest of that text scripture And that's going to be how we work off uh, what we're talking about today. So in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus explains it. And he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell onto the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe it for a while. And then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. I would have appreciated if he didn't include the word patiently, personally. But he said patiently produce a huge harvest. So we have a farmer who's scattering seed, and the seed represents the word of God. I'm not a farmer. I would think if I was scattering seed, I would want to focus my efforts on only where the good soil was. I would want to plant where there's good soil. And I think this example, this parable, shows God's character and nature of generosity. That he recognizes if I only focus in this little area, I'm only going to get harvest in a little area. But if I am free and generous... I will reap an abundant harvest. And so I'm going to freely spread the seed. I'm going to freely and faithfully plant a lot of seed. Because the farmer understands in one seed, there's 30, 60, or 100-fold return for that one seed. And so God's nature is not that he withholds from us. And I think that could be someone's takeaway today. God does not withhold any good thing from those he loves from his children. Right. He gives freely. We don't have to perform. We don't have to perfect the soil ourselves. He freely gives. Yes. So this, I referenced 2 Corinthians 9, 6, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I would think 
it would make sense. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my money. I don't want to waste my energy. And yet God, in this example, he's saying it's not a waste. It is generosity. It is an investment. There is more to come from the effort that you expend. And so today I'm honored. I get to represent the farmer or the farmer's sister since Jesus said this passage originally. So obviously I wore my best farm clothes for you today. And we are going to dive into what does this mean for me? What does the word of God or what does the spreading of the seed mean? And today I recognize there's so many different people in different seasons of life. We all come from different backgrounds. We've all had different life experiences that shape our theology or our view and our belief about God. We're all in different seasons and timings. Some of us might feel like we're in a drought and desert season. Some of us might feel like we're in in an abundant season. But wherever we find ourselves, the word of God stands firm today, tomorrow, and forever. And so we're going to break this down one by one with the four different areas that Jesus described. So number one, let's talk about the seeds that fell on the footpath. This is referring to verse 12, and it says, The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, but it is almost immediately snatched away, preventing belief and salvation. Can you recall a time in your life where you felt blocked over and over and over again from connecting with God? Like, God, do you hear my prayers? God, are you even listening? God, do you care? God, is this going to work out? God, I want to feel you. God, I want, I want this to change in my life. And it doesn't matter over and over and over again. It's almost like there is something blocking you, perhaps even to a supernatural degree that you are attacked. This is talking about the footpath. This is talking about the seed that falls on that hard place in our life where the seed can't even take root. Or perhaps you're witnessing to a loved one. You're praying and believing for their salvation. And you're spreading seed and you're throwing seed. And you see different life circumstances just snatch it before it even has a chance to affect them, to sink into their heart for them, to have the revelation of salvation. Spiritual warfare is a very real dynamic of our life. And we see the life that we live But we are spiritual beings living in a world that was created by a spiritual God that, yes, has natural ramifications and things that we can see, but there's so much going on that we can't see. And I appreciate this analogy Jesus uses, that the footpath has been walked on. That soil has been compacted. It's tight. It's often dry if the farmer isn't watering it specifically. And so it's almost created like a um, impenetrable surface that the seed just falls on. It gets walked on, so it's broken. It's in the sun. It's dry. It's hot. And then Jesus said, the birds come down and eat it. In Ephesians 6.12, we are reminded that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not physically in this earth. We wrestle in the spirit. We wrestle against principalities and against wickedness in high places. Where do birds live? High places. 
And so I think Jesus is referring to something much deeper than if we were just to picture birds and seed. He's talking about there are spiritual principles that set themselves up against the nature of God, and they are looking on the field of your life for where are those hard places? Where are those places where the seed isn't, isn't sinking in so I can steal the seed away? We have to be aware of this. And we have the authority and the power to speak over those places in our lives and in our families' lives. We do not sit in the seat of victimhood. And while I'm grateful that it is part of our church culture that we can pray with one another, that we have pastors and covenant leaders available to pray with, that can elevate our faith but you don't need a pastor to pray for you. You have direct access to God himself and you can declare the authority of Jesus in your life. And a lot of people are scared of, you know, like movies. There's like horror genres with like demons in them and stuff. And I'm like, that's like the least scary thing because I know I have all the authority. Like, come at me, bro. We're going to be fine. We carry authority. The footpath is near the good soil, but it isn't prepared soil. Second, the seeds that fell on the rocky soil. Verse 13. Seeds that fell on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away. When they face temptation. Can you recall a time in your life where maybe you felt really encouraged at church or after a devotional or after a worship session in your car only to step out those doors or to step into your office and go, well, back to normal life. Where we can be so refreshed and energized in God's presence but it doesn't have roots to penetrate into the rest of our life. That's the rocky soil. The rocks are preventing the seed from actually developing deep roots, and so it cannot get the nutrition and the hydration that it needs. Let's talk about temptation in a more relatable way for a moment. Inevitably, many of us have said, on Monday, I'm starting a diet. And we, it's always the day. And we might commit, I'm only going to eat protein. Or I'm going to work out five times a day. Or well, I don't know, whatever it is. But you might be really focused on your goal. And you know what's going to happen on Monday? It's going to be someone's birthday. And they're going to bring cake. And the temptation is real. <laughs> You might have been real resolved on Sunday while you're eating your cookie. Yeah, it starts tomorrow. And then there's cake on Monday. It doesn't matter if we have this shot of adrenaline in church and we have this resolve to follow Jesus in one place if the rocks of temptation block us from planting deep. We will always stumble in temptation when we do not have roots connecting us to the ground. We need to let our roots sink deep so that we can stand firm 
against the fiery darts of the enemy so that we can stand firm against temptation in our lives. Otherwise, temptation is going to blow us around. It's going to write the story for us. Here's a geographical note that adds to this parable. In case you haven't already figured it out, I'm a nerd. I love this kind of stuff. I love studying about this because it adds so much more meaning. And Israel is quite literally in a desert. It is dry. The soil is very sandy. And you have to dig down past the rocky soil to get to the bedrock. There's actually a parallel parable that connects to this. And if you want to write that down and study that for yourself, it is in Luke chapter 6. And it is uh, verses 46 through 49. It's the parable of the two builders. And Jesus is describing there's two different men who are building a home. One of them digs down to that bedrock. He removes all the rocky soil to build his house on top of that. And when I was researching this, they actually said to build a house, it takes multiple seasons because to dig down to the bedrock in the heat of summer in the desert would be extremely challenging. And so normally you dig out to the bedrock in the winter and then you build the home in a different season. So this takes time. This takes sweat. This takes energy. This takes planning. This takes intentionality. And the other man built his home just on the topsoil of what you could see. And when the rain and the wind came along, it actually moved the rocky soil out from under the foundation of the home, and the home collapsed. I don't think this is so much a parable, parable of the two builders, about stupidity as it is about ethic. Do I put in the effort to remove the rocky soil from my life, to remove the temptations, to be aware of what is a trigger for me, regardless of if it affects anybody else. I have to be aware of what my rocky soil is, because if I just try to build this skyscraper of a life on top of my cracked and flawed and broken foundation, it takes one life storm to take me out. And foundation work isn't glamorous. No one sees it. You don't go shopping for a house and walk in and go, oh my gosh, look at that foundation, man. No, and in fact, sometimes there can be problems with the house because we can't see the foundation. And yet, if we want to build a beautiful life, it requires removing the rocky soil of temptation so that we can run our race with focus. Jesus' listeners personally understood this picture of the rocky soil because it was everywhere in Israel. And sometimes it would be an inch or two that you would have to dig away to get to the fertile ground. Sometimes it might be over a foot, foot and a half, to dig out the rocky soil. And so the rocky soil is indeed soil, but the lack of depth chokes out opportunity. Thirdly, the seeds that fell among the thorns, verse 14 those represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Can you recall a time in your life where you were committed to a God dream and someone poked at it? 
did God really say? Yeah. Prayer is part of your business plan? You're believing that that's going to work out in your marriage? The thorns of unbelief can poke out the God dream. What about the discomfort of the weight? I believe God said this. It's taking a long time. It's a lot of work. I'm not comfortable. It would be easier if I just moved this from my 401k and I could call this. Oh, and I could research this. And how quickly we step into self-sufficiently, sufficiency to try to create something rather than actually wait on the Lord. Wow. We can be encouraged in church. I can build up treasure in heaven. That's amazing. But treasure on earth would be a little more helpful right now. So if I did this, and no one has to know about that, I could be a lot more comfortable. The thorns of temptation for comfort in this life, for fulfillment based on our own measurements, will absolutely obliterate the seed that God has planted. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Where we are planted, what we are surrounded by, really matters when it comes to our growth. And the thorn-filled places might contain growth, but the cost is corruption. Fourthly, the seeds that fell on the good soil. Verse 15. Those represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Jesus didn't have to include the word patient for sure, but he also didn't have to include the word huge, and he did. When we cling to God's word in patience, in faith, in planting ourselves, we will reap a huge harvest. Can you recall a time where you went all in on your faith? I'm talking pushing all the chips to the middle of the table. God, you and you alone are going to have to pull this one out because I can't do it. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how dark and lonely it feels. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. God, I trust you. That's good soil. That is letting the word of God plant deep no matter what it looks like and no matter what it feels like. Harvest comes in God's timing. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to him about that. I, I talk to him about it now, but I feel like it's going to be a little different face to face. I might lose my gumption. But every single prayer that I have prayed in my life, and I mean every single prayer, has not come to fruition in my timing. From when we were navigating infertility and I said, God, can I please be pregnant yesterday? from when I wanted to get married to what I wanted certain things to look like for our church, none of it, none of it was ever the timing that I wanted. But when we plant in good soil, harvest will come. 
Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not grow weary in well-doing. Let's not grow weary in planting the seed. For in due season, we will reap a harvest if we faint not. Basically, if we don't give up, we win. When we are planted, we will see the harvest. We just have to let our roots grow so deep that we don't faint, that we don't give up, that we aren't moved around by temptation and by the life circumstances. We will see a harvest. It's God's principle. The good soil isn't easy to come by, but it is the only soil that produces something that lasts. In our culture of you know, TikToks and reels, we want to see a finished piece of furniture or a finished cake or a finished home in less than 15 seconds. Our culture is enamored by quick fame and success, by, again, the concepts, the pragmatism of one, two, three, it worked for me. That's not how harvest happens. Harvest happens with patience and watering and planting and cultivating. And it's not glamorous, but it is so worth it because it offers so much value. So where does that leave us today? Are you on the footpath? Are you near good soil? You know some good soil. You have some qualities that look similar to good soil. But the things of God have never quite taken root in your life. What an opportunity you have today. Are you on rocky soil today? You love popping into church to get your dose of encouragement for the month. And then you go back out to life and it feels like it doesn't stick. It doesn't actually change anything. Maybe, maybe we don't move the rocks because we're scared. We're scared of the unknown. I don't have anyone in my family who actually, actually loves God. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can be that. Maybe we're scared of hard work. Pastor Man, you're talking about digging down, digging rocks out. That sounds awful. I don't want to do that. And in our culture, I think American culture like praises hard work, praises achievement. And so a lot of us can wear that as a badge of honor. I work hard. And in some ways, that's true. I do work really hard. But if we're all being honest, there are some things I don't really try in or I avoid altogether. Maybe I avoid it because I don't want to fail. Maybe I avoid it because it feels too big. Maybe I avoid it because I don't feel worthy. But we can all avoid hard work for one reason or another. What an opportunity we have today. Are you surrounded by thorns in your life? You're surrounded by naysayers who poke the dream. You're surrounded by temptations that draw you away to temporary pleasures. The thorns... Poke at, damage, rupture what God is trying to develop in you and through you. What an opportunity we have today. I actually don't think that every time Jesus shared a parable, he saw four different categories of people. 
Ah, there's my good soil people. Oh, you're looking a little rocky today. I actually think he looks at us all the same. We are all the field. We all have footpath areas that have been worn down, that have gotten hard and resistant to some of the seed. We all have areas that are rocky, that are full of temptation, that are full of doubt and fear. We have areas filled with thorns that beat us up over and over again. And when we allow God to, we can have areas of good soil. I don't think it's about picking the right field to sow in. Because remember, the farmer sows freely and generously everywhere. I think the invitation to us today is how do I cultivate the soil so I can have more areas of good soil in my life? What are the things I need to uproot? And I talked about being afraid of hard work, but actually, knowing what I know of God's character, I don't even think that's our work to do. I think the farmer, the vineyard dresser, the good shepherd is saying, hey, can, can I uproot that for you? Can I dig that out of your life? He wants to do the work. He wants to do the labor. He wants you to have a life that is flourishing. We have to let him. That's our role, is letting him in. Because footpath soil, rocky soil, and thorn-filled soil all have the capacity to be good soil. The difference is they have to be cultivated. And how does soil cultivate it? I literally Googled it because I'm not a farmer. Soil is cultivated when the weeds and the rocks and the thorns are uprooted and pulled out of the soil. And by pulling those up out of the soil, it lifts the soil, it aerates it, which allows room for a seed to plant in and dig deeps and allows water to flow and hydrate and nourish the seed. And so God's invitation to us today is what needs to be uprooted? What needs to be taken out so that you can receive more? He longs to cultivate good soil in every part of your life. It's really hard to stay in dysfunction of any kind, whether it's dysfunction because of choices of others or our own choices. It's hard to hit the same wall over and over and over again. It's so frustrating. You know, next week we celebrate the release of Dr. Janice's book. And I had the privilege of being able to read it early and she does such a beautiful job explaining psychology and our development and God's word and how it all comes together. And she talks a lot about dysfunction. And when there's a lack of safety, we actually can't engage in learning. We can't engage in growth because our brain is so focused on surviving. We all have our different stories of survival. And today, I think this is a beautiful invitation from God, who's the safest person I've ever found. 
And his invitation is gentle and kind. It's not harsh. It's not manipulative or abusive. It's not cruel or judgmental. His invitation is safe and gentle. Can I take that thorn out? Can I heal that area? Can I cultivate this in your life? I know it's scary. I know it's hard work. I know it's unknown territory, but I'd love to love you in this way. If staying in our cycles of dysfunction is hard and pursuing healing and restoration is hard, we have to choose our hard. And I know which one I wanna choose. I don't wanna hit the same wall over and over again. I wanna step into allowing the Holy Spirit to cultivate, to flow, to heal, to remove. One leads to the same dead end over and over again. The other leads to a harvest 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times greater than all the effort we lay in the planting, than all the sacrifice. And so I have a simple challenge for you today, and I would love for you to write this down. This is a way to actively cultivate your life. And I would love for you to find a moment today, a few moments, more than one moment, a couple of moments by yourself to ask God two questions. One, what needs to be dug out of my life this week? What, God, are you looking to uproot in my life this week? And two, what are you wanting to plant in me? God, what do you want to dig out? What do you want to plant? I have a seven-year-old, and sometimes he, um, you know, breezes through schoolwork. So he might look at this and go, God, what do you want to uproot in me? What do you want to plant in me? I encourage you to engage this as a conversation. And maybe in your prayer life, you've grown more comfortable talking to God. Maybe not. But this is a kind of exercise to listen to God. And he will speak for himself. And when you approach with an open heart, he will say exactly what you need to hear. God, what do you want to dig out of my life? What do you want to plant in my heart? This is the very activation of cultivation in our life. This is how we cling to God's word. And this is part of the patient planting that produces a harvest. And if you don't know Jesus, that's the first step to engaging in this process, to receiving his voice, to being connected, to hear him speak to you. It's through salvation in Jesus, recognizing that this man who taught through parables, this theologian was God the Son, God incarnate, who came to live a human experience to relate to our trials, to our traumas, to our pain, to our life experience. And then he redeemed it and he made the way for us to connect with God the Father. And if you've never engaged with Jesus in that way, maybe you've heard about him, maybe you've said prayers before, but if you've never made him the Lord of your life, I would love to extend that invitation to you today. So I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you say, Pastor Amanda, that's me, I need to receive Jesus. I need to surrender my life to him, to make him the Lord of my life, to connect me with God, because I can't do this life on my own. I can't cultivate a life 
on my own. I need Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up in the air high enough for me to see? Online, you can just write in the chat, I need Jesus. So many today putting their faith in Jesus for the first time. This is cultivation. Church family, would you just repeat this prayer with me and everyone whose hands are lifted? Dear God, thank you for the gift of salvation. I receive Jesus as my savior. I submit my life to your Lordship. I need a savior. I can't do it on my own. I can't cultivate a life on my own. Jesus, would you heal me? Would you redeem me? I believe you are the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again so I can have a faith and connection with you. Thank you, God, for redeeming me and enabling me to live a life that reflects Jesus first and Jesus always in all that I do. Help me plant my roots deep so that I can be part of this great harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, I love you so much. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.